were you in 1990? Were you a lesbian? Did you know any lesbians? Were you afraid of lesbians? Had you even been born? We're a couple of Gen X lesbians here to give you the answers you never knew you needed. Welcome to Lesbian Queries. Wouldn't, Wouldn't you, you like, like to know? know? Hi, and welcome to Lesbian Queries. I'm Amanda. And I'm Kimmin. And this is our new podcast series exploring lesbian culture and history through a series of 197 questions from an incredible and occasionally extremely dated book from 1990. This book, Lesbian Queries, was written by Jennifer Hertz and Martha Ertman, Wellesley grads and current prominent attorneys. I corresponded briefly with Miss Ertman, but they were regrettably too busy to grace us with their insight, so we will have to go it alone. <clears throat> As we said, I am Amanda. And I'm Kimmin. How old were you in 1990? 16. 16. I was 21. Were you a lesbian? Oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, hell no. But you knew lots. I did. Uh, my mom was a lesbian. Oh, that's a different kind of 1990. Uh, that all of my backstory with the gay mom will <laughs> resurface. <laughs> well, it, yes, indeed it will. Over and over gay mom, lesbian. There's more than one question coming up as it's like, would you ever tell your mom and you're like, honey, <laughs> if I could get past the drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. But you yourself were not. Were no. you were you rebellious? Like, that's not going to be me. No, I it was like in the back of my mind. It was always like, yeah, I'll try it. OK, kind of like because it was normalized. Oh, yes, it was extremely accepted. normal. Uh, but at the time, I oof, I oh, I had a boyfriend. Oh, uh, he was a year older than me. OK, and, 16, 17. That's not. Yeah. Bad. And. We like to make out. Oh, well, hey, that's not bad. Yeah, we went, actually, he and I went and saw Henry and June together, Ooh. which may, like, come up later. Oh, I bet it will. That, yes. That film. That film. And Uma, <clears throat> yum. Uma Karuna. Uh, yes, yes, yes. But, no, I wasn't gay, blah, 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 wasn't. Wasn't thinking have any about problems it. with the gays, was down with the gays. Would not have been an issue had you no, come out. No, okay. not at all. Just was, like, not at all i was like okay. i need a boyfriend mm -hmm. and steven whatever his last name was he was real good looking well there you go yeah so and it was a wonderful experience all yeah. around and went to a private boys school in new orleans which means his family oh had yes because you went to high school in yeah. new orleans yeah. yes uh you know so it's not just your mom and all of her friends were gay it was that your mom and all of her friends were gay on bourbon street that is also true. Okay, so yeah, that will also be revisited. That's a, there's a lot of good stories there, y'all. You are in for stories. some treats. Yeah, you are in for some treats. I was 21 and I was a lesbian. Uh, I was in college. I had just turned uh, drinking age, and went out. <laughs> I went out with. Uh, psh, psh, psh. I went out with the lesbians to the bars a few times, but we didn't get along. Not in a hateful way, but just like I did not want to mullet and to play softball. So I ended up with all the gay boys. To be fair, as a almost 50-year-old dyke, mm -hmm. I didn't want a mullet. I do love softball. You do love softball. You're I a sporty. did not want a mullet or flannel shirts yes. or Birkenstocks and socks. And no, huh? And look. in 1990, it was a pretty rigid look. It, it kind of was. It was a pretty rigid look in 1990. Uh, and, excuse me. 
Uh, it was a pretty rigid look in 1990, and I didn't want it, so I ended up with the gay boys. My parents were not gay. My parents were hippie stoners. I did not know they were stoners, but I look back at the time, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like we'd had hemostats in our uh, uh, medicine cabinet, and I was like, what's this? And mom's like, well, they're hemostats. And now I'm later. That's like, that was a roach clip. (laughs) But so anyway, my parents were hippie stoners. My mom's a librarian. My dad is a math teacher, math and science. And uh, they, when I came out to them, my mother said, don't tell your grandmother. And my dad said, "Uh, I figured that you have a lot of pictures of Winona Ryder in your room. (laughs) So uh, it was not an issue. We weren't uh, religious. So I think that matters a lot because we are from Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma and I grew, that's where I grew up. And uh, most people here are Baptists and it would have been really bad coming out to a lot of people uh, to, like for people in their families to come out in 1990. When I finally came out in 1993 oh, to my gay mom, she was like, well, Kimmon, just remember discretion is a better part of valor. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's not bad advice. Mom. And then when I came out to my dad, mm-hmm. it was because my stepsister was going to come down to New Orleans to because she wanted to go to ha ha get this the Indigo Girls. And by the way, hey. she's straight. Oh, but she's all hey, the way look, straight. They have good music. Yeah, all the way straight. <laughs> Just ask <and> Barbie. <laughs> mad props to all of my straight lady friends who mm-hmm. love the Indigo Girls. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. A couple of you will be special guests in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, we have all kinds of special we, guests coming I up. I love we the have... straight ladies that love the Indigo Girls. But my stepsister was going to come down for an Indigo Girls concert. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, Alex is going to stay with you and Aaron. And I was like, well, oh, then there's something well, she needs to know. Daddy, um, Aaron's not just my roommate. Aaron's my girlfriend. He goes, hmm. Okay, well, your stepmom and I are going to the grocery, going to Walmart to buy blue jeans. What size blue jeans do you wear? <laughs> it was a non-event because they show off your ass. Not well. I do have a good butt. You do. Uh, it was a non-event coming out to both my parents. Yes. Actually, my mom uh, only cared what her mother would think about her. So uh, whatever, it was fine. It, I did not get like criticized or. Dis, uh, disinherited or anything like that. And uh, my parents love you, so. Well, and Mandy and I kind of have, like, happy gay coming out stories, which we both recognize. Yes, it's not as, this good for everybody. No, and, like, I've had. That's coming up. So if you want to yeah. write in, I'll say it right now. We have an email that we would love to hear from you. It is lesbianqueries at gmail.com. And we have an Instagram, lesbianqueries. And you can also follow my Tumblr, A. Clay Writes. And uh, all the queries first appeared on Tumblr. And then we were like, this needs more conversation. So we have brought it to you on the air. You're welcome. It definitely needs more conversation. This book, y'all. Having said that, let's book, dig in. Yeah, like we're going to talk baby. about this book. Because I am a librarian and a history buff, you're going to get some background on this. And if you're here for the... Re- I do good research and uh, I will bring you facts and cite my sources. So uh, I'm going to tell you about this book because it's nuts, y'all. And I feel like we need to set the scene because... We're going to talk about it in context, but we're also going to talk about it at the time because we're old and remember doing this. Picture it. Lesbians. 1990. 1990. 1990. Where yeah. were you 
in ni- as the intro says, who were you in 1990? Go baby. Go baby. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So, okay, this book is called Lesbian Queries because, and it exists because in 1987, Workman Publishing released a book called The Book of Questions by Gregory Stock, PhD. He is uh, still, he's a biophysicist, a noted biophysicist. He's won lots of awards. Well, no, he's noted. I don't follow biophysicists daily, but when I looked him up, he has a Wikipedia page and it's not about this. It's about his biophysics. And then this is a footnote that he wrote these three books and it was called the book of questions. Do you remember that being around? No, I remember um, truly tasteless jokes. Oh God. I remember that too. When we would go to the grocery store, I would leave mom and Aaron, my little sister, a different Aaron than your girlfriend. Uh, they would do the grocery shopping and I would go over to the book and magazine section and I would read like Mad Magazine and the joke books and stuff like that. All the music magazines. Uh, so yeah, truly tasteless jokes. That was one of the first place I heard about gays. Uh, what does gay stand for? Got AIDS yet? That was one of them. Uh, oh, oh. Kimmin is shaking her head. Shaking her head. Uh, how can you tell a bull dyke? She kickstarts her vibrator and rolls her own tampons. I did not understand that joke. I thought about it for a very long time. I don't even know that I understand that joke, and I'm almost 50. (laughs) I'm almost 55. So we're talking about, like, I will share with you my memories of the Bicentennial. I promise we're legit. But so the Book of Questions came out, and uh, it was causing conversations everywhere. It had questions like, what's your idea of a perfect evening? What is your idea of a perfect evening, Kimmin? Right now. Right now? Yeah. Doing what we're doing? Yeah. Yes. I mean, if we weren't doing this, we'll be doing what we're doing later, which is making dinner together. Playing Scrabble. Playing Scrabble, watching a show with your daughter and your dad. Hanging out on the Um, patio. Yes. What if it was a perfect evening where we had to go out? You can't stay home. No, I want to go to the theater. I want to go to the (laughs) My first thought was, we'll go to somebody else's house and play Scrabble. No. But... (laughs) The symphony or the theater. Uh um, You're a musical theater gal. That's your... Your high school and your history. I, I kind of do have a background. kind of do have a musical yeah, a background. Bit. Also. Not uh, a singer. You're a you're oh, a No. Technique. I was a terrible actor. And my high school guy, Elliot Keener, RIP. Shout out. Recognized that and empowered me to be a lighting designer. Also, sidebar, I'm a big dyke and I'm going to. She's open cracking beer. one open, yeah. baby. I'm having white wine yeah. with ice. Because you're a lady lesbian. Because I'm a lady lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lady lesbian. It's just Anyway, true. go on. Um, which sex has it easier in our culture? <laughs> Men. Yeah, that's an easy one. But the book became a bestseller, breaking ice, starting conversations all over the nation, maybe the world, I don't know. Led to sequels. The kids' book of questions, do you think you have too many chores? Well, um, (laughs) I have all the chores, bitch. I'm the mom. I'm a single mom. We're a single because we don't, we live in separate houses right now. But I just cleaned the bathroom with your daughter Mm -hmm. who thinks that she does have too many chores. She does think she has too many chores. That's true. Uh, But yeah, single moms. Yeah, we we have all the chores. (laughs) We have all the chores and Mm -hmm. we do all the things. Yes, we do all the Um, things. Uh, if you were offered $250 to kiss your crush in front of your class, would you do it? I just asked my actual almost 13-year-old daughter, and she goes, I'd get to give, kiss my crush, and I'd have money. Are you kidding? This is a great deal. That totally sounds like Alice. Doesn't it? <laughs> That's her. That's my ace. So be like, yeah. 
So. Uh, my son, probably not. Although I don't know that William has a crush. Uh, so. Her first response was, I don't have a crush. I said, for pretend. She'd be like, yeah. Uh, moving on. Okay. <laughs> um, could you ever have a real relationship Oh, no, wait. Then the book, this was the book, Kids Book of Questions. Yes. And then came the Book of Questions, Love and Sex, which if you look through, has so many, you'd expect it to be like spicy, spicy, but it's all like relationship stuff. Um, could you ever have a real relationship with someone you knew you couldn't trust? No. No. Uh, if you could sleep with anyone on earth, who would it be? You. <laughs> okay. Uh, celebrity All right, Kate Winslet, you okay. know she's my girl. Uh, Furiosa from Mad Max. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this was what it was from, the the zeitgeist of books of questions, as it were. Uh, it's uh, conversation, so much conversation going on, a void yet remained. What do lesbians think? What questions can be asked that lesbians can answer what trade paperback can save us all from unexamined boredom? In 1990. 1990. It's 2024, y'all. Y'all. Okay. Uh, so this book was published in 1990 by these two Ivy League gals and Nyad Press. And you get a tiny Nyad Press sidebar because I am like that. Yeah, she does incredible research. I love to do research. Yeah. It's very fun. <laughs> She's a nerd. You learn all kinds of stuff. And then you can tell other people about it. It's really great. <laughs> Did I mention I was a teacher? <laughs> Uh, I'm a te- I'm a school librarian, and I, is- I I am a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. We have, but I have been a I have been a school teacher and librarian for thirty years. You have a different background. No, I'm brand new, but I have a background in theater and restaurant management. Right. And to be fair, she's like a diner girl. You should see her with her bench knife. Ooh, baby, managing a staff of millennials in 2010. Is akin to a teaching middle, middle school, school teacher ed. in 2024. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But yes, uh, so yeah, I do a lot of research and you get some. Lucky you, you're welcome. Not what? I was going to forewarn you, you're welcome. That's right. <laughs> Nyad Press was founded by partners Barbara Greer and Donna McBride in January 1973, along with Anita Marchant and Anita Marchant probably and Muriel Crawford. It was devoted exclusively to lesbian literature. Nyad Press uh, had a big mail order because it was 1973. B. Dalton's is not going to carry your small lesbian press books about lesbians. Did I mention the lesbian part? So they had a mailing list of 3,800 names that was also the mailing list of the ladder, which I could do a whole sidebar about the ladder. It was the uh, re- prominent and recently defunct newsletter published by the Daughters of Belitis, which was the first lesbian organization. Please see episode 21 of my other podcast, Madness Madness, and you can learn about the Daughters of Belitis and the Madachine Society. You can learn about all kinds of crazy shit on Madness Madness. Do it. Do it. It's so fun. Do it, do it, do it. It's yes. me and my sister and brother-in-law. Kimmin shows up later as America's Tess Kimmin. Uh, she's amazing and a, an important part, but it's a nutso podcast. You learn a lot. And the Daughters of Belitis and Mattachine Society are on episode 21. But the latter, their newsletter, they had a mailing list and Nyad Press bought it or received it in some way. And they sent out their catalog and that's how they got started. They had original writings, lots of them, murder mysteries and super vanilla uh, 
romances, which were groundbreaking and different. And at least you could read a Harlequin romance about two girls. But still, it's just like, ooh, they have 142 pages of meeting and then they kiss and then it goes down. And you're just like, <laughs> and curtain and scene. My first, I'm sorry, I'm going to interject here. My first, like, I'm like third grade reading Nancy Drew. George? Na- yes. Yeah. Bess and George. And I'm like, wait like, a I, minute. I, mean, I had a gay mom, so I didn't live with her, but I had a gay mom. And I'm like, um, and not, not because George was like a masculine Step name. Step one, her name's George. <laughs> but also like. Oh, uh, table that. Come back. <laughs> I'm going to watch Veronica Hamill no. on Hill Street Blues. This means nothing. <laughs> and think about George. Maybe I'm gay. No. 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 Okay. No. Okay. Go back, baby. You're good. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic, Just baby. My sidebar. Sorry. No, that's a good job. It's not your sidebar. It's your job. Oh, wait. Where is I? Um, Naya Press also published out-of-print lesbian fiction from back in the uh, Pulp Fiction days. Anne Bannon, she did a lot. Uh, Bevo Brinker, she wrote the Bevo Brinker novels, which are legendary. Look those up. Anne Bannon, Jane Rule, Gail Wilhelm. They got uh, Gertrude Stein and Renee Vivian. They brought their stuff back into print. In 1985, they published Lesbian Nuns Breaking Silence, which which actually banned in Boston. I remember articles about it. I remember John Waters in a Rolling Stone article about Los Angeles, where he flies to Los Angeles from Baltimore. And to keep people away from him on the plane, he opens up, he's reading lesbian nuns so that people know he's a freak and stay away from him. I love John Waters to get people to stay away from you. I fucking love John Waters. I I have a a friend that lives in New York city Uh and she, she's my, high school friend yeah from oh love you girl we go way back Mm -hmm. and she posts all kinds of shit that she does on the subway to get oh to to stay away from her yes yeah so yeah lesbian nuns yeah today might not get you kept away from but back then it would and that's a great (laughs) book i still have my own copy uh, yes, you do. Uh huh. It's up on my gay bookshelf, which yes, is beside I know. the bed, <laughs> and has all of the old pulp books yep. at the top. I, I see it every night when we fall asleep. Oh yes, I love that book. It's very interesting. I loved nun stories and nun books, and I wanted to be a nun for a while before I realized that there were other ways to live with a woman. <laughs> um, in this house of breed by Rumor Godden, that's one of my favorite nun books. I love that book, and it's straight up, uh, not. Fancy, there's no lesbian, there's no magic. It's just about being a Benedictine nun, and it's a really, really good book. I love it. Um, so, yeah, okay. But every, not everything Nyad Press published was good. Like I said, there were lots of those boring, like, mystery novels that were not as exciting as they could be, lots of super vanilla romances. It's low budget, which is legit, basic art, cheap colors, cheap inks. But it was super important to lesbian life and literature. It is legendary and it matters a lot and mattered a lot. It was a not just a room of our own, but a press of one's own. But in and in 1990, we got Lesbian Queries, which was like mainstream. It's predecessors. It was just a book of questions. There's 197 of them. Uh, and as you look around, it is super 1990. So we're going to figure out what 1990 <laughs> being gay in 1990 was like. 
yeah, she's chuckling because the 1990 will jump out at you. You guys get ready. <clears throat> uh, what was the state of lesbian life in 1990? Not a lot. There, for lesbians, their LGBT was getting bigger. Uh, we were three years away from Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which meant that it was still against the military code of conduct to be enlisted and gay and would get your ass fired. Uh, AIDS was still a big thing. The AIDS crisis had a big boost with AZT coming out in 87, but ACT UP was still very ACT UP-y and at the forefront of activism, getting more and better treatment for people infected and spreading information about prevention and protection. And it was the biggest part of the story. There weren't as many out lesbians in popular culture. There were lots and lots and lots of gay men. Uh, well, okay, lots and lots and lots is different, but a lot more. There were more gay men than gay women defo and i remember watching uh some a couple of like very serious made for tv movies that were about and the gay story was always the person is announcing that they're gay it was never just like oh i don't know my so-called life where what's his name was just gay and that was it ricky was it ricky randy I, I didn't watch that show. I didn't either because I was it was a time in my life when I didn't watch much TV. But I love that guy, and he's later on a really good sci-fi show, and I like sci-fi. Okay, I'm totally blanking. Sorry. No, keep going. We'll have to You're figure good. it out. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, an American Family PBS's show in 1973 was the first reality show about the Loud family, and their son Lance Loud came out during the run of the show, and that made him the kind of the first gay. It's not gay character is wrong because he's not a character. Um, but he was like the first gay person on TV. The first recurring gay character on a TV show I had never heard of until I started doing this. And it was Vincent Chevelli, whom I always think of in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. And isn't he a ghost? He's like the first scary ghost that somebody sees. Isn't he? Yeah. He's in Ghost. And he gets like sucked oh, down a drain at the end. The movie like goes. Yeah, Patrick's, Demi Moore and okay. Patrick Swayze and Whoopi. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Right. Right. So yeah, Vincent Chevelli. Hold on. Go ahead. Uh, I will fact check that and follow yeah. up because we will be fact. We will be fact checking. We, but we are, also know our movie shit, especially Miss Kimmon. You can throw any like Oscar question at her; she knows her stuff. Uh, it was Vincent Chevelli on a 1972 sitcom called The Corner Bar, which only had like 13, 15 episodes. I could only find two very short clips. We looked at them. One was the credits. And one was a cut to the credits that had a single like nanosecond of Vincent Chevelli wearing a paisley shirt and a floppy purple cravat. I, and I want to see more. I've been looking like, was he flamboyant? How did he come out on the show? Was he a joke or was he just a guy at the bar? Um, not having background information on it. Uh-huh. But. I've never heard of it. No, I know. And moving forward to what you and I probably both know. Yeah. About like how gay people and I'm like. Finger pointing that. Uh, like, you're going to stereotype it like Jack Tripper. Right. Like Jack Tripper. Yeah. Like you're Mr. Foley. Or like. Furley. Furley. Furley I'm sorry. Furley. Yeah. Furley. Don Furley. Knotts. Furley. I'm sorry. I love you, Carol Burnett. No disrespect. Right. Don no. Knotts. And Mr. Furley. Do the, yes. Uh, he didn't do the first one, though. Uh-uh. 
He was the second one. Who was the first? Mr. Oh, Roper. the Ropers. Uh-huh. Yes, and who, Mr. Okay. and Mrs. Roper. Uh-huh. And that... Mrs. Roper, eventually, I'm sorry. I'm a... Go for it. I'm sorry. I Don't fucking apologize. love friends. Don't apologize. Fucking love friends. Uh, Mrs. Roper was Phoebe's grandmother. That's right. So, whatever. But That's yeah, whatever. no, you're yeah, not. But yeah, yeah, Mr. Roper would say, would indicate that he was gay by doing and, like and they would do like the hand motions. Like, they would do like the thing where he would like look towards the audience and be like, uh huh. And sometimes Jack had to act gay, and it was always yeah. super fake. And and John Ritter, love you, love you, He's an love you, love you, love you. Watch Sling Blade. Oh, he's great in Sling yeah. Blade. Okay, yeah. all right. And we're sidebarring too much. Go. No, we're not. It's good. That's if they don't. If you don't want it, I mean, this is what the show is about. I'm not going to read your script. I'm sorry. I want to talk a little bit. There's lots of stories, and like I said, we've got people coming up that are going to tell us their story too, and that's super fun. Uh, but okay, let's see. That's what kind of. I, and I also remember Jody from Soap. That was we watched soap a lot, and I remember him and his uh, being gay. Uh, my pappy, it was a sympathetic I, portrayal. Well, my pappy and I watched soap. Uh-huh. Uh, it would come on WGN after the Cubs games, <laughs> which you were also watching. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah, uh, but I don't remember like making a connection about gayness, and I promise. I promise my pappy would not have like. No, you're a good Christian pappy. Uh, I, you did not grow up in Oklahoma. No, I you grew up in up South Jackson, Mississippi. Mississ- South Jackson, Mississippi, and then later New Orleans. I, I, I don't know. Looking back, my pappy loved soap and Sanford and Son. Uh, yeah, but I, I, it's not that I. I guess that I remember loving soap as much as I remember loving watching those baseball games with my pappy. Uh-huh. And then, Do you know what I remember watching with my dad when I was little, little? Uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Oh, shit. Yeah. My dad went to Vietnam. <laughs> yes. And I was with my mom. Yes. And then when I got back, he got back from Vietnam. Uh, mom went to work and he went to college. And so he and I were home for a couple of years a lot and one of the things we watched was Mary Hartman Mary Hartman which probably had a gay person on it but I don't know who now I want to find out well I watched a lot of Falcon Crest and Hotel yeah. with my granny <laughs> Hotel did you say I'm, I'm sure that they're in Love Boat and Fantasy Island oh yeah I'm sure there were gays I don't think and so having, I bet not okay uh, we just kind of started rewatching Love, Love Boat, Boat and John Ritter was on an episode was of Love Boat. Oh like, my god! Like dressing up like a woman he to was, woo to... and like manipulate. And right, like, he was. He was. You, nineteen seventy-eight. You're not going to get away with that. That no, he was no. snaking a single lady accommodation. Okay, we digress. But anyway, yes. Go, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Pop culture and real life lesbians were harder to come by. Billie Jean King's 1981 palimony suit had outed her and given her an unenviable notoriety. There were always rumors. I personally heard from more than one person that Kelly McGillis and Jodie Foster made the set of The Accused uncomfortable by fighting over Whitney Houston. I also heard Kate Jackson's name more than once. You say that you oh, lived... yes. Um, I cannot remember a time in my life when in Growing I, up in the gay milieu, yeah, in which I, you did. Gay milieu in New Orleans in the late 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh-huh. I, I just kind of always knew that Lily Tomlin was uh-huh. gay. And if you're me, 
and you're born in 1974 and you're growing up and you're like incredible shrinking woman galaxy glue galaxy glue what would we do without galaxy glue and then oh my fucking god nine, nine to five, five. Like, <laughs> sexist, like, it is like so totally Ding. in my top five movies of ever all of time. all time. I, um, I don't know if Lily Tomlin was like officially out. I also then, remember like Edith but, Ann. And, and like uh, Jane Wagner wrote Search for Intelligent oh, Signs. Ernestine, the, uh, yeah, um, Ernestine. Oh yeah. God, I love those. I, I, I just, watch that I have loved Lily Tomlin Carol forever Burnett. and ever and ever. And yes. have always known, that she was known heard, whatever. And I'm sorry, Miss Tomlin, if you were not out in 1980. We can't really out her now. Uh, no, uh, you're totally out now. And I fucking love you. I love you so, <laughs> so much. much. Me too. And you you were one of those earlier pioneers. Yeah. That like made it normal. Yeah. And regular and... I just fucking love no, you. No, those people matter a lot. So, and you were in a movie with the one of the goddesses, Dolly, Dolly Parton. Parton. Hell yeah. yeah, Dolly Parton. Thank you. Go uh, to Dollywood if you can. It's great. Uh, Judy, could you come back here for a second? <laughs> Judy, can you come back? If here you with... don't know nine to five, learn it. Get out from under your Call rock. Call yourself gay. Get out from under your rock <laughs> and watch that film. And also, Jane Fonda. Yes. Just fucking do Hanoi it. Hanoi Jane. Right. I'm holding yeah. up my fist right, right now. All right, go, baby. Uh, apparently, the first uh, co- comedian to come out on national TV was a woman named Robin Tyler. She came out in a 1978 Showtime special called The First Annual Funny Woman's Show, hosted by Phyllis Diller. She later emceed the first marches on Washington and coined the phrase, We Are Everywhere. She coordinated and led the big national protest against Dr. Laura, who called gay people biological errors. She was a big deal, and I'd never heard of her until I did this research, so the more you know. I also remembered Married with Children, which was a show I never watched, the nosy neighbor Amanda Bierce. She came out in 93. But that was not 1990. There had been movies by 1990. Personal Best, which I saw on VHS and you have not seen. I've never seen it. Came out in 82. Uh, there was an actual lesbian in the movie, and then there was Mariel Hemingway, who abandoned the actual lesbian for Scott Glenn. Ew. I hadn't seen that movie in a long time. I looked up the non-Hemingway actress expecting her to be a lesbian. She's bisexual, and she is an actual Olympic hurdler. Was, Patrice Donnelly. I'm sorry. Was, wasn't was Scott Glenn uh, Jack Crawford in, in Silence, Silence of, of the, the Lambs? Lambs with Jodie Foster? Okay, so, I do love yeah, him there. We but, will probably circle back to Jodie Foster. More than once. Um uh, <clears throat> Oh, Not yeah. because I... I've already mentioned her. <laughs> ...revere her as a lesbian. This is her second one. But She's so good in Nyad. She's so fucking funny. It's like, finally, she you, you get to see her be a lesbian. I love it. And she and her lady at the Golden Globes. Uh, okay. Um, do, 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 do. In 1985, brought us Desert Hearts, which has a more lesbianic ending. It has secret stars Denise Crosby, a.k.a. Space Dyke Tasha Yar, and Jeffrey Tambor, who is so secret, he's uncredited. They have so these movies have something else in common. They're kind of dull. Uh, Desert Hearts. I was like, you took what you can get back then, baby. That's no, I I understand. 
And no, I, I saw that know. in like 1991 and I was like, mm-hmm. that's lesbian sex? Oh, I know. Really? No. That's all it is? Uh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to pass. Spoiler alert, that's not all it I'm is. I'm going to pass and I'm going to go have sex with my boyfriend. Thank oh, you. That's yeah. boring. No. Keep going. Uh, my fa- most formative lesbian film of my youth, 1983, The Hunger. Yeah. Secret stars Willem Dafoe as second young man in phone booth and Jane Leaves. He was uncredited. You don't need the secret stars in that because you no, know Catherine no, Deneuve no, no, and Susan no. Sarandon. No shit. I went to my dad's for a divorce visitation weekend. They went out. He and his step, my stepmom went out to dinner somewhere. I turned on HBO. My mind was blown. I no, love that. Is a super super sexy. That's a sexy scene. Yeah, it is. Oh my god, yeah. that's a sexy. There's something on your shirt. <laughs> You're like, ooh, ooh. I loved Rocky Horror already, Telltale Sign, a legendary gay film. And I loved David Bowie. And so I said, why not? And like, I swear to God, it changed my life. The very next day, I made my dad take me to Starship Records and Tapes in Tulsa, a legendary place, uh, where I found and purchased the 12 inch of <laughs> Bella Lugosi is Dead by Bauhaus, which I still have. I'm pointing at it over on the wall. It's framed. It's right there. It's right there. It's always there. It'll be on our socials. (laughs) Yes, I'll put it up there. Within six months, I had a girlfriend and a whole lot of black clothes. Uh, (laughs) Because lady loving ladies love their music. Joan Jett sang Crimson and Clover without changing the pronouns in 1982. People didn't pay much attention. Uh, She didn't finally come out until a 2018 interview in the New York Times. She was asked several times, but refused to confirm or deny, which I'm not fussing about. I'm just reporting facts about what was happening in 1990, which is so far not much except for these extremely early 80s movies. Uh, The Indigo Girls came out in 91. KD came out in 92. Melissa in 93. Oh, she's given respect. For the Indigo Girls. Oh, always. For my girls. Yes. Tracy Chapman was apparently dating Alice Walker, <laughs> but neither of them were talking about it. <laughs> uh, I, God, those Damn. two women, what, I what know the things that they would talk about, Mm-mm, I mm-mm. could we're not, not even begin to wrap my mind worthy. around. No. I went to see the Smiths in 1986. I went to a bunch of old concert. I went to a bunch of cool concerts because I've had girlfriends who were into music. It's not me. I'm not. I don't not any good at that. But I went to see the Smiths in 86 and their opening act was Frank, the Jewish lesbian folk singer. She had great songs, including one called No More Female Mud Wrestling. She's had a great career, uh, including a long running side hustle as a Tupperware sales lady. Uh, And she had a 2001 2001 documentary called Lifetime Guarantee. But yes, so Nyad Press was given the Love and Lady books as early as 73, but it was not as widely, widely available. I worked in a uh, women's bookstore in San Antonio, Texas later, uh, but I did not get them early. I did not actually read a lesbian book until Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit, which I got to in college probably around 89 or 90. I did have a memorable sleepover uh, one time where my friend said she had a dirty book and she passed around Judith Krantz book 1980 masterpiece Princess Daisy <laughs> I'm not going to go into a huge sidebar but I could I will say that the secret star of the miniseries is Rupert Everett Oof. yes and my I best read friend's wedding yes oh god he's so good I read an amazing review of the book 
The review is titled A Blizzard of Tiny Kisses, and it was for the London Review of Books by a critic named Clive James, and it was, everybody should find it, Clive James, A Blizzard of Tiny Kisses. Princess Daisy is indeed a dirty book, but be warned, there's more than one rape scene. Though there is one thing that no review or summary ever mentions, and it's the part where Daisy goes to a country weekend party, and there's a three-page digression where the party hostess has an encounter with one of the guests. She's in a lav- the, gown- the guest is in a lavender marriage and is described as having a Louise Brooks bob and very short fingernails. When 14-year-old me read the scene, boy, yeah, that's the one where I first was like, that's how you do it. Okay, I want to do that. The short fingernails? Uh-huh. Dead giveaway. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, she had short red fingernails, and I was like, whew, Okay. Uh, yeah, that was when the light bulb finally went on. I was like, okay. The next memorable sleepover I had is in 85. I switched high schools. A girl from my old school who had lived in our apartment complex called and invited me back to a school dance just to see everyone. What, like who? I had no friends. But I went to the dance with her and then I slept over at her house and she put on Yazoo's upstairs at Eric's and went down on me and wow, that was <laughs> something else. But anyway, 1990 seems to be the, four, the, the year before everything kicked off. Riot Girls, Katie on Vanity Fair, Ellen and her puppy. It all happened later. And 1990 was still kind of 1980s plus. Uh, where was I? I was near the end of my undergraduate years. I'd come out at college in 1987. The whole first semester at my freshman year, I read the school paper every day and did the New York Times crossword puzzle edited by Eugene T. Maliska. And I looked at the student activities calendar. Thursday, Sunday, Thursday evenings at 7 in the Student Union, OU Gay and Lesbian Alliance would meet. Gay and Lesbian Alliance, that's what it was called at the time. And I went every week until I imagined I was there until finally I worked up the courage to go. The first activity at the first meeting I went to was watching Personal Best. And I met Susan and Tina, who are dear dear friends of mine and who you will hear on this show. Love you, Susan and Tina. You You will be here. Yes. A special guest. Yes. I never had a date. The young hot dykes of the 80s and 90s in Oklahoma were all androgynous tank top, cargo short, mullet hair, sporty outdoorsiness expected. I don't know what was going on down at the coast at this time, but this, there were no dates for me. I had nothing in common with the lesbian communities, but the gay boys and I got along like a house on fire. So I hung out with them. Uh, costume parties, Academy Award cocktails, croquet brunch. I started, quote unquote, dating a guy we'll call Bert because we both like antique malls and Friday the 13th, the series. We never even held hands, but he's my one and only boyfriend. And I broke up with him in 1990 because I'm a lesbian. <laughs> so that's my time and place. And I did not see this book until many years later at a used bookstore somewhere. I don't remember the day I actually bought it, but it was not 1990. And who were you in 1990, baby? Oh, God. Um, I was living in New Orleans. I was, yeah, living on Bourbon Street with my gay mom Mm -hmm. and her significantly younger girlfriend. Oof. Uh, But, I mean, it like, not in a shitty way, just like, wow. Was she a teenager? She was 25. Okay. Um, and I look back and I think, oh my God, I mean, and I was a good kid. I wasn't like a shitty kid that did shitty things, but you have 
a near teenage daughter. Yes, living in the house with you and your 25-year-old girlfriend. I have, I have teenage girls, and it's like, and I teach yes. teenage girls, and yes. it's like, fucking fuck me. Yeah, no. Fuck me. Um, and in 1990, it was a lot of... Mm. Like actual nine nine two one oh. It's funny to go back to nineteen ninety and Bill Clinton don't ask, don't tell. Like uh-huh. that's, woo, that's a victory. It was a that's victory. A victor- it it was. was. It really, really it was. Really, really but was. But then fast forward to twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, and Agra fell. Uh-huh. That's a fucking victory. That was a victory uh, too. And I mean, you can't. And recently, I they mean, stopped making it illegal to give blood. As as much as I love Obama, love him, love him, love him. He just happened to be president when Ogbrafell happened. Right? No. Uh-uh. Um, uh, yeah. No. And none of them are perfect. No. No. But he's. Yeah. He was kind of. He was good. He he was great. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I have. Okay. All right. So 1990, mm-hmm. let me queries. This is what I wrote. Because of how dated and dare I say <laughs> antiquated <laughs> this book is, I thought it relevant for us both to share a bit about where we were in 1990. I was living in New Orleans with my lesbian mother. And her, oh, I, I mentioned this. That's okay. Significantly younger girlfriend in a pretty swanky third-story apartment on Bourbon Street. Actual and like, Bourbon Street, I man. totally cannot. <laughs> Actually Bourbon Street enough. Uh, Yeah. Like what? Give us a next door to the, or across the street no, from the. No, okay. Or... We're in the middle, 818 Bourbon. One corner, St. Anne. Two gay bars. Uh-huh. The pub. And eventually, uh, oh, it became something else. But on the other corner at Dumaine was the parade. And then uh, Bourbon and Dumaine, the other corner was the Clover Grill. Okay. And that's where we would go. I mean, I I had like a super, like, (laughs) no, I literally went to high school. And lived on Bourbon Street. Okay. Okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I've no doubt that many other stories and anecdotes about my childhood with a lesbian mom will come into play yes. over the course of these episodes, this podcast. But all that is relevant for now and all our listeners need to know is that I had, still have, frowny face (laughs) a lesbian mom and I do the frowny face because there's so much baggage I mean listeners how much baggage do you have with your moms (laughs) Um, mine like once blocked off the Suez Canal (laughs) I um for you I hope it's not a lot but Regardless of gay, straight, lesbian, whatever, we all have shit with our moms. We do. And if you want to write in and talk Please, about your moms, like I we, said, we will listen. Lesbianqueries at gmail.com. Yes. Lesbianqueries Instagram. Uh, but I grew up around lesbians and 
fabulous gay men. Like. No, like like only New like, Orleans could provide. No, yeah, like my mom's greatest and all-time best friend, he was, in his day life, he was a banker. Uh-huh. And I would, over the course of many years, would, like, get off the bus and go to the Hibernia Bank, and he would be there <laughs> with his tie and his coat, all, like... Banking it up. Banking it up. Yes. Just banker drag. <laughs> but on the sidelines, he was the most fabulous drag queen ever. His, fantastic. His... He was... Uh, he would do Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. Looking... Like I will, I will find pictures. Yes, we'll I have put him on the Insta and put him on the socials. And he was Joan Crawford, and his drag queen shtick, he would do little girls oh. with coat hangers, of course, and he sing would. little girls Dang as heaven. Joan Crawford, and For he looked just girls. like her. He was the man that taught me and showed me and introduced me to. Gilda Radner. Oh, I love her. And Lauren Bacall. Oof, God, I love her more. And Merle mm. Oberon. Ooh. And he had all these beautiful, like, coffee table books. Yum, of yum, all yum. these old Hollywood I love starlets. Old I love and, them. Uh, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. That's my favorite movie. Yes. Sunset and Boulevard. we would go... Billy Wilder's my favorite director. He... We would... I would go to his house... And we would play this, like, at the time, I called it, like, this faggy card game. <laughs> and, by the way, I'm allowed to say the word yes, faggy. Yes, you are, baby. Uh, called Boo-Ray. Okay. And we would play, I would play cards with him and all of his, like, Sechi and Greg and Steven and... Yes. No, you did it, baby. You grew up in the heart. Well... <laughs> Most of them died from AIDS. Well, um, it was a hard time. Most of them, most of them did die of AIDS. And when, um, when I first met Hank, and he had his partner Billy. Oh gosh, I was probably five, mm-hmm. and it was always Hank and Billy, Hank and Billy, Hank and Billy, Hank and Billy, and Billy was my first AIDS death. Yeah, and. I mean, go back to 1988 if you can. Well, two we are years, going to go back to 1988. Two years before the book. In the this show. Book. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to digress too much, but. Yes. No, it's, it's, um, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're here for. That's what we hope to do on this show is to go and explore that time and also talk about where we, you know, we've come a long way, baby. <laughs> well, that's when Billy died. Um, but anyway, Hank was fabulous. Sechi and Steve and Greg and Maisie. And they're all dead. They all died from AIDS. Not Hank. Hank's still there. Um, that's my 1990. Um, so I will... Absolutely come back 
to that mm-hmm. over the course of all of, of this. Of all the questions that we'll but, talk about in the future. Um, moving into our book, what yes. is our first query? We're going to take a look at the book itself. It is an interesting shade of coral pink. It's got orange question marks on it, title and authors. The Dewey Decimal number is 306.76. Books of course about, you would know that. I looked it up. Books about sexuality, love, and relationships. It is dedicated to the girls who inspired the questions and the women who will answer them. And baby, that is us. So let us get started. Uh, Some of the questions in this book are excellent standalone conversation pieces, but some of them are best addressed in pairs. And the first two questions are just that. Number one, is it possible to maintain a healthy gay identity if the majority of your friends are straight? What do you consider a healthy gay identity? Um... I have spent a lot of time reflecting on that question mm-hmm. and where I'm coming from currently is as a gay mom mm-hmm. with almost exclusively straight parents. Yes. And yeah, I have, I, yeah. I can totally... It's also 2024. It is possible to maintain. uh, The majority of your friends are straight, but not all. I think you need at least a few gay friends that you can just go and be like, I can't anymore. Well, even my, even a tiny handful of my straight friends, I can go to and be like, oh my fucking God. Well, yes. Um, I think that is, so yes, it is possible to maintain a healthy gay identity. What is a healthy gay identity? I... I it, think a healthy gay identity is no shame. I think, yeah, it's living unapologetically. Living unapologetically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, and yeah. going and like, doing everything that you do. Well, and like uh, my school Christmas party uh-huh. that we went to. Right. I was like. I have been a teacher so long up. I can't remember. The, we I mean, bounced I remember up time I together mm-hmm. and you like. You had already met a couple of known and met a couple of my ladies, Mm -hmm. but there were other teachers there. Right. And I was like, this is my girlfriend. Right. And they were all like, I've heard a lot about you. And Uh you were like, it's so good to put a face to your name. Right. It's important to to live with no shame, to live authentically, uh, to not, to to know sometimes to protect yourself that it's okay to not come out or not be out if it's really just like not, you know, somebody, uh, the lady who was checking me out at the Walmart in Tahlequah said something that let me know that she was like a Trumper and I was just, I just let it slide. Oh, I remember that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you can like hide if you want to or not bring it up if you want to. That's not the same thing as hiding. But, uh, to be out and proud and feel no shame, but also feel no shame about the times that you don't feel like talking about it. Um, I pass. <laughs> so sometimes I just like let people make assumptions and go on about my day. Well, listeners, whoever's listening, I mean, if you have an, any insight into what you think is a healthy gay identity, right, we're hoping that people will write in. Um, I think that, I mean, it's living authentically. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were to see me, you would be like, hmm, 
what? And in especially in my school life, yeah, and also in regular life, I don't lead with it. No, but also I'm like, right? I'm unapologetic. <clears throat> I don't lead with it, but I'll bring it up if I have to. <laughs> Baby, you can't lead with it. You are girly I, it's true. and feminine and long, beautiful red hair. And no one would ever no, see you at the Barnes true. and Noble and think, hey, look yeah. at that lesbian. No, no. but I, but I'm also not afraid to bring it up. No, no, I know right. you're not. I don't pretend. I don't let, I especially don't let dudes hit on me. I'm just like, get away. <laughs> I I would I would be interested to hear about other people's, and I'm finger quoting, healthy gay identity. Because Mandy and I both own that shit. Right. Own it. Live it. But you grew up in the gay milieu, and I grew up at least in a household without any sort of judgment or repression. Well, and sort. also, we would like to hear from... Anyone who did not experience that, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, like, what's it like now if you're younger? And what, what is it like was now it for... like in 1990? Uh-huh. Being gay and... and not being able to tell your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I my first two girlfriends <laughs> love them, love you. I was not introduced. To their grown-ups. Right. As their girlfriend. Right. You were always um, just a friend. I was a roommate. Okay. Now, my second girlfriend, I was introduced to, like, her brothers and her cousins. But not her parents. Eventually. Right. Eventually. Yeah. But had I been a dude, you, she right. would have totally bounced up, like, this is my boyfriend. Right. Exactly. It's like, right also, away. at that time, it was 1993. Five, mm-hmm. uh, and I will not talk shit. No, we're not here to talk any shit of about my exes, exes. Uh, especially not Aaron. Well, Aaron, Melissa went. I love you. But do you think that? Uh, but like having to have hidden things. Oh, if having a healthy gay identity now means being in a relationship where your partner will be open about you and honest about you. I think that's part of it as well. I hope so. Oh, okay. I I hope that that is what this next generation can do. Yes. I hope. I hope. Okay. Question two. What is your working definition for lesbian? (laughs) Which is in quotation marks. Uh, According to Wikipedia. No. What is your working definition for lesbian? Okay. My working definition of the word lesbian Mm -hmm. means that you emotionally feel more connected to women. Okay. It's not exclusively about sex. No, that's very true. It is, at the end of the day, when I get home from work... And I walk in the door. What human do I want to greet me? What human do I want to hug me? Whose emotional energy. And and kiss the top of my head, although you're shorter than me. (laughs) I'm way shorter. (laughs) You are way shorter. But what human do I want to envelop me in their arms? 
what human do I want to kiss my neck and ask me, baby, how was your day? Um, let's go outside. Let's uh, have a drink. Let's have a smoke. Let's do what we do. Yes. Uh, what are we doing for dinner? Let's go inside and make dinner together. Let's do our life together in the evenings with our children and, in our case, your father. Uh, <laughs> well, what look. are we going to watch? And then well, after what all does TV that have to do with your working definition of being a lesbian? After all that said and done, let's clean up. Let's play Scrabble. Let's go to bed. Yes. I want to pull you into me. I want to feel your body Ma'am, and your heat look, and your warmth. <laughs> Would you excuse me? People, oh, other people are listening. No, no, yes. no. I'm not talking. To, I'm just saying like what physical person do you want for that mm-hmm. with their heart and their soul and their mind? Like for me. I I I have like for as long as I can remember I wanted that to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I wanted the softness and the sweetness and like the, the neck and <laughs> like pull you into me and I don't want no offense dudes take offense I, if you want I, I don't have, care there dudes There are a handful of men that I love and admire but when it comes down to the end of the day and we're talking about our day, we're snuggling, we're cuddling, we're pulling into each other. I don't, I love you. I don't want your hard body. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't want, want that. soft. It's I, more than that for me though. I don't want their hard bodies. I don't, I don't want a man's body. Uh, I don't like the way they smell. I don't like, uh, I, but I emotionally don't connect with them. No, I don't psychically I don't believe in psychicness but uh no none of that psychologically I don't connect with men there are less than a handful that I well to be fair there's none that I'm attracted to okay there are none that okay there's not none that I'm attracted to it's I have had a handful of men that I have had very good deep friendships right yes you've had um, different relationships with men um Kelso. Yes, she has a um my Kyle. Good late friend. Uh Kyle Daynert. Don't know if you're ever gonna listen to this. You're out there. Uh Johnny. Um well Neil Inglis. No more dudes on our show, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm no, those guys get props. Okay. Especially good for them. Kelso. Yes, he and does. And especially Neil. <coughs> but I don't um, want any of them. No. No. Um no, and like no, I what it means. My working definition for lesbian is a woman who wants another woman, emotionally, emotionally and sexually and physically. Yes, yes, and yes, because and yeah, yeah like, it's more than just that. I mean, it's not all about herbal tea and hugging each other and like sitting and thinking female thoughts and doing female shit. It's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, I want a woman, her mind, but I also want her body, and a, and I want her female body. Or else you could find some, like, femboys that you no. wanted to... baby, I want all up in you. <laughs> Stop. Uh, no, I know. But that's... No, that's part of it. It has to be all of it. It can't just be part of it. Because you can find sensitive and emotional uh, 
sensitively, emotionally responsive, emotionally uh, enmeshed. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, compatible. There we go. Emotionally compatible uh, guys, I'm sure. Sure, like, but I don't want their I don't equipment. Want no, I don't want their equipment. I don't I, want their hard bodies. No. I don't want their facial hair. We might get letters about this, but I just don't want it. And I'm sorry, no. but I don't. So that is uh, my working definition for a lesbian. And it has to be more than just like saying that you're a lesbian. There has to be something else behind it. Well, and I know political lesbianism was a thing a lot in, especially in like the 70s and the 80s being uh, like, I'm not actually physically attracted to women, but I'm a lesbian and I'm going to date women because I can't uphold the patriarchy back when all of the like big feminist lesbian feminist uprisings were starting back then. There was political lesbianism. Andrea Dorkin was a political lesbian. She uh, actually ended up, she liked men and she ended up with a guy. Um, and she has uh, said a lot of things. I really like her work, even though she's kind of problematic. <laughs> yeah. Well, listeners. Right Wing Women is a really great book. Anyone who's listening, if you have an answer to uh-huh. say the questions, baby. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, we have, thank you for listening. This no, has no. Been, repeat the query. Oh, our questions are, number yeah. one, is it possible to maintain a healthy gay identity if the majority of your friends are straight? And what do you consider a healthy gay identity? So it's like two questions in one. Yeah. Uh, feel free. And number two, what's your working definition for lesbian? Yeah. Write in. Yes. Chime in. Email us queries of your own. We would love to hear your own stories. Uh, we have our Gmail. Like I said, you can follow my Tumblr at a clay rights, uh, in our Instagram is lesbian queries and we will be posting stuff from this. And if you keep listening, we will have future queries such as, uh, huh. There's 197 questions Um, in this magical book. Hang on. Let me get my glasses glasses on. Let me get my glasses on. Oh, these are fucking great. There's some, and these are only the tip of the iceberg. Oh, Yes. Okay, um, yeah. Actually, this is a decent one. Can long-distance relationships work? That's a good thought. Well, that's something to think about. Are you friends with your ex-lovers? Oh, also very thought-provoking. And, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get to this one. This is number 156, so stay tuned. Are you capable of killing men at random? Hmm. Very, very interesting. Uh, So, yes, uh, please join us once again. Tune in next time for the next episode of Lesbian Queries. It never hurts to ask. It never hurts to ask. Lesbian Queries is brought to you by Kim and Alan, Amanda Clay, and the podcasts, Fred, Andre, Charlie, Bernie, and Boo. Topi is our editor and the token male. All views expressed herein are solely those of the podcasters and their guests, although you really should agree with us because we're awesome. If you like us, let us know. Send us your queries, memories, responses, and repartee to lesbianqueries at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at lesbianqueries. Follow us, like us, review us, and share us wherever your podcasts are found.